0: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com recommend today. Are you caring for an aging loved one? Are you a senior searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you, providing information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. And now, America's Senior Care Consultant, Steve Keeker.
2: Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live, I'm Steve Keeker, your Senior Care Consultant, and I really appreciate you tuning in today. We have a wonderful program lined up for you uh, today with my friend and special guest in studio, Mr. David Wiley. He's the president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And David, welcome back to Senior Care Live. Steve, good to be here as always. All right, so I thought maybe we could go back to the basics today. I know we just have a lot of different things uh, to cover today, but um, let's start off with with one of the most commonly asked questions that I've heard, and if I've heard it a lot, you've heard it maybe 10,000 <laughs> times. What's the difference
3: between hospice care and palliative care? Sure. You know, Steve, um, actually, hospice care actually is a form of palliative care. Oh, okay. But, you know, hospice care is when um, a person is um, – they are they are um, terminally ill. Okay, um, they're seeking uh, medical care, but they are making a choice. Their goal of care is around comfort. And hospices, uh, when we're able to come into the home, uh, provide medical care by an interdisciplinary group of um, our team, uh, including you know a nurse, a social worker, a chaplain, um, and uh, our CNAs, uh, sometimes called bath aides. But th- these are specialized experts uh, that help folks and help the family. Navigate those those um, hopefully weeks and months um, at the end of life. Palliative care, uh, which you know to palliate means to to provide comfort, is really for us when somebody is not quite ready for hospice or their goal is still perhaps curative treatment. They still need support, um, but it's just not quite at the time for hospice in terms of what their desires are.
2: So maybe some disease management if someone has. COPD, or, or it could be a number of diagnoses, but uh, they're they're certainly not giving up. They're receiving the treatment, but they also uh, they need some some management of, of that care uh, as as time goes by.
3: Absolutely, these are folks that are um, f- that we help take care of, particularly in our community based palliative care program. They're seriously ill. They're navigating a lot of changes. Maybe a, a critical diagnosis. Um, you know what we can a- we can provide them is you know uh, additional support in the home. Uh, through a nurse practitioner, but also uh, stay in contact with their primary care physician and uh, help navigate what's next.
2: Well, and I've had, uh, I've even had some of my friends uh, contact Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, and receive that palliative care. And then, and it did indeed at some point then turn into hospice care because uh, they were in that last six month window where, uh, like you said, it's more of a, of a comfort situation. They stopped the the, the chemo, the radiation, and, and he said, "I'm I'm done with all of that. Yeah, and let's just try to have a, a quality of life uh,
3: for as long as I can." Yeah. And what we try to do is, um, at, you know, we've been doing this for 43 years. What we try to do is provide all the options. So anytime somebody has a question, our teams um, come out, we'll give it, do an informational visit and explore what's possible and meet your needs. So how do you qualify for hospice care then? Do you have to have...
2: A, a physician's order. Uh, is there a prognosis of that six-month marker?
3: Is that kind of uh, a, the basics of qualification, or is there more to it than that? Yeah, you know, it's a great question, and um, you know, typically um, uh, Medicare pays for hospice. Not always. There could be commercial insurance, but we follow um, the the industry follows Medicare guidelines, which says that uh, a person, um, you know, their terminal diagnose they would have a terminal diagnosis and. It would be typically six months or less if the disease took its normal progression. And so you're right. It takes a doctor's order, a physician order. And then what happens is um, our physician independently looks at at that and makes sure that – and and then we certify that that the person is hospice-appropriate. That's how how the kind of nuts and bolts work.
2: Yep. Okay. And then I've also heard of – Some patients, uh, we even talked about President Carter Mm -hmm. uh, in the previous episode or two, uh, where you could be on hospice services for longer than six months. So uh, obviously that six month is kind of a professional estimate, but uh, obviously you can live longer than that. So does it just continue past the six months at that point?
3: You know, it's a great question. And uh, what happens is um, there's an an initial certification period and then there's checkpoints along the way. Ah. The team monitors the progress um, and the disease progression and then just documents, um, you know, as things uh, progress. And typically as a decline happens, then the person can stay on for hospice even longer than six months. And okay. and just like the example you gave of, of President Carter, you know, more than a year. So yeah. um, it, every single person is different and um, the team, it, it really works hard to, to provide support during that entire process.
2: And I've even heard of uh, patients graduating from hospice because they had, there's some sort of a turnaround, some sort of an improvement. You've probably heard of that before. And that sounds like maybe
3: that's a rare situation, <laughs> but that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, it, uh, again, um, sometimes uh, what it takes is just being surrounded by expert help mm-hmm. and pe- people stabilize. And that, that's ter- terrific. Um, and that's another example where folks can be supported if they graduate hospice. It's called, you know, they discharge. And Anybody can revoke hospice at any one point in time. It's not a final decision, which I think is important for people to know. Yeah. Um, if your goals of care change along the way also and you want to seek aggressive treatment, that's obvious. That's, you know, t- absolutely your option. And so uh, but that they can graduate and, and they might may uh, be supported by community-based palliative care for while that while that st- stabilization happens.
2: Yep, that, that's phenomenal. Now, is hospice limited primarily to older adults or can you be younger than
3: Medicare age and receive hospice? Sure. It's a great question, Steve. Um, You know, Kansas City Hospice, uh, we have um, really, we focus on the end of life experience and for all ages. In fact, we have a program, it's called Carousel. Um, It focuses on pediatric patients and nobody wants to think about children and hospice, but uh, when you need it, you need an expert and that's who we are. And we've been doing that since 1989. Um, Just last year, uh, we took care of, you know, 65 little ones, um, mm. again, hard to imagine. But when you, when you need that support, um, you know, it's important to, to find somebody who's really uh, an expert at that. And that's exactly who we are. And the support for the family in that situation – I
2: think that feels like it would be completely different than for a situation. So you have parents losing a child, and that's not supposed to happen, right. <laughs> you know, or you would hope not. And that's a lot different than being there for the adult children of an elderly parent, maybe you know, seventy, eighty, ninety, ninety years old. sounds Sounds like it's very different. It would take a very special person, I would think, to provide and deliver that hospice. The Pediatric hospice service.
3: Yeah, and our team is um, they're they're pediatric trained. Um, you know they you know children are not young adults <laughs> they're yeah. they're children. Yeah, and so these experts uh, both understand the medical care that's required, but also the special care of parents and and typically, you know, children and other children in the home that we' that the team's dealing with. so but to answer your question earlier, we take care of all ages, so from newborns to to uh, folks that are over a hundred. Is that unusual? I I don't know if I've heard of another pediatric. They they may exist. I just I haven't heard of it. You know, we um, are unique in our region. Um, Frankly, some folks, uh, hospices say they do this. uh, And typically they when things get really complicated, they call us and we help take over. Right,
2: right. um, (laughs)
3: Let's call somebody who who knows what to do here. (laughs) But, um, you know, I just highly regarded our team is highly regarded and and, um, are very experienced at that.
2: And then just one, this is just a small way to give back to the community, but I recall there was a terrible thing in the news where uh, you had a a shooting, a a young person in a school Mm -hmm. uh, uh, died, and it was a horrible, horrible situation. And I was so proud to see that they recognized hospice uh, uh, counselors uh, uh, from KC Hospice to come in and to speak with all of these kids because that's tough for anyone to handle, but a kid is a kid, and that, and you can't even ha- wrap your brain around that.
3: Right. One of our programs that we're super proud about is called the Solace House, which is a center for grief and healing, and it focuses on families, but also children in, in grief. And um, our bereavement services um, from our our Kansas City Hospice um, counselors and our Solace House team uh, often too often do get called in uh, on these really difficult situations in order to help. Other children and sometimes um, the high school counselors just to support them and in speaking with their uh, their 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 kids in in their school.
2: Yep, I was I was just uh, I was kind of a proud papa when I when I saw (laughs) that Casey Hospice was there. I'm like, oh man, this is so good. So uh, and, and you were just there. To, yep, to help help these people. So it was fantastic. Uh, and, and then we talked about this uh, last time. But if someone out of the area is listening, h- how would how would they best go about uh, finding a, a quality hospice provider in their area?
3: Would Would you still recommend going to that Medicare Compare? Yeah, uh, there's a website uh, MedicareCompare.gov, and you can search for hospice, and uh, it provides. Um, Basically, quality metrics and kind of other comparison data, uh, the types of patients that they take care of and and the locations. So that can be a good source for people to, to check things out.
2: Excellent. If you'd like to reach out to Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, here's the phone number. You're going to want to write it down at 816-363-2600. You can also go online. It's a fantastic website, just loaded with lots of really helpful information at kchospice.org. And we'll have more with David coming up next. But first, the Senior Care Live Question of the Week. In what settings can hospice care be provided to patients? We have several options. A, their own home. B, a family member's home. C, a nursing home or assisted living community. D, a hospital. E, an inpatient hospice house. Or
0: F, all of the above. What do you think? You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, visit SeniorCareLive.com. We'll have more with Steve coming up next.
2: back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. All right, back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. In what settings can hospice care be provided to patients? A, their own home. B, a family member's home. C, a nursing home or assisted living community. D, a hospital. E, an inpatient hospice house. Or F, all of the above. And the answer is... F, all of the above. and David, we probably got some caught some folks off guard on that one. Why, why is it all of the above?
3: You know, Steve, uh, hospice, it's not a place. You know, it's a form of care that can be really given in your own home, wherever that may be, uh, it can be provided at a hospice house or an inpatient hospice facility um, when or if um, symptoms become too difficult to manage in the home. So really, you have a choice where your care is provided.
2: Excellent. And I always love how you say hospice can be provided wherever you call home.
3: It, literally, wherever you call home. <laughs> literally, yep. Wherever that is. And um, the team is uh, adept at, at coming and uh, supporting you as a patient and your family.
2: Okay. So you mentioned hospice houses. And obviously in the Kansas City area region, I mean, the KC Hospice House, I mean, that's iconic, really. I mean, it's a it's a big deal. And so when is it appropriate to be referred to a hospice house
3: uh, rather than maybe receive the service in your own house or your own home? Sure. You know, typically um, patients that are at the the hospice house and that we have two: the Kansas City Hospice House, as you mentioned, uh, which is in South Kansas City. And we have one called NorthCare Hospice House, which is inside North Kansas City Hospital. So um, and that is an inpatient facility. And those patients um, really are usually uh, quite ill. And um, when their symptoms are very difficult to manage in another setting. And about, I would say 80% of our our patients come directly from a hospital setting. Okay. So they've experienced some kind of acute situation. Okay. This is a rapid onset of something and um, they need that rapid uh, end of life support. And so it's, um, and I think a lot of, a lot of people in the hospice house would have,
2: have higher medical needs and maybe need equipment and a higher level of medical care at that point.
3: Yeah, you know, um, they do. And I think what's unique about it is that uh, it's a very serene, peaceful setting. So when when families come in, they realize this isn't like a hospital. You still receive very, uh, you know, acute level care that's very complicated, but the team does a nice job of making it just a little bit better and allow you to become the family instead of the caregiver.
2: Uh, that's that's priceless, no doubt about it. We were talking off mic, and you dropped a couple of statistics that are <laughs> kind of blew my mind about your volunteer program.
3: Yeah, you know, Steve, uh, we just recapped um, our year end numbers, and I'm super proud. One of the differentiators about Kansas City Hospice is we have robust. Um, volunteer support we have more than 350 trained volunteers they help across our programs whether it's in a hospice house or in a home um, or sometimes even administratively in our office but um, the bulk of that is happens uh, you know as support to our caregivers and to our families and um, there's a medicare requirement that five percent of our total hours care hours come from volunteers it was part of the original design. Okay. I'm proud to tell you that we have um, more than double that, so okay. yep. 11%. <laughs> oh. And when we look at all of our programs and support, um, we had 64,000 hours that were um, wow. donated or provided to Kansas City Hospice and all, all of our families and, and our caregivers. Sixty-four thousand. That's amazing. And how many volunteers? Uh, we have more than three hundred and fifty trained volunteers.
2: Wow! And so they're not just going out blind. They've been trained. I mean, they're yep. they know what they're doing here.
3: Oh yeah, it's a very um, specific. Uh, our, particularly, our patient care volunteers um, are uh, go through extensive training.
2: And along with you know, I know a lot of people uh, you know, donate to Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. We'll talk about that. We have a big fundraiser coming up mm-hmm. uh, this month, uh, but a lot of people give back by volunteering. And if you're listening to the program and you're like, you know what, I think that's something I'd like to look into, uh, uh, they could reach out to Kansas City Hospice, and you, I, I'm sure you have some sort of a process to discuss that with them.
3: Absolutely, you can go on our website and check it out. Um, also, you can just call them our main number. 816-363-2600. And uh, we have volunteer coordinators that help uh, help that be a good experience. Actually, they do a great job. So, yes. Excellent. And
2: talking about fundraising, uh, we have, uh, I think, one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Uh, mustache Month is uh, the month of February.
3: Yeah. You know, it's really um, a fun uh, a fundraiser, actually. Oh, uh, OK, <laughs> I got <gotcha>. you. <laughs> and this uh, Mustache Month uh, is really just a way to raise awareness about um, our program, our pediatric carousel pro- program, actually. And uh, we partner with Chicken and Pickle Um, Their employees grow mustaches during the month of uh, February um, and they help sponsor an annual mustache month pickleball tournament, which happens at the end of February Mm. um, in the Northland uh, location. And uh, it's really just to celebrate and to bring awareness to the carousel pediatric program, which is the only hospice and palliative care in the region dedicated to these unique needs of, of children and families. And so anyway, if you happen to be a chicken and pickle, Check it out. Ask them why they're growing their mustache. Uh, that's, it's super fun so folks can uh, participate in that terminate, terminate if they want to.
2: Okay. And uh, I have, I remember the first year I, I grew uh, a mustache as much as I can grow a decent mustache, actually. It's not too bad. It, it's kind of looking gray these days, though. I don't know. My, my wife is like, okay, how long do you have to have that? And can you cut it off on March the 1st? So, <laughs> but uh, uh, but I, I did that. I think I had, I got the Walter Cronkite uh, uh, Reporter uh, of the Year mustache or something like that award. So that was, it was just so fun, though. Yep. But, but you're able to raise a, a lot of money and all the folks at Chicken and Pickle they were totally into it i mean they they do a really good job uh, supporting this one
3: you know the, it is fun it's a fun evening uh this cup in hand kind of pickleball uh so anybody can play it doesn't you you don't have to be uh, you know an expert at it and uh a two-player team is um, 150 bucks to uh, register, um, and you don't. You can just come and cheer us on. It'll be a fun night.
2: Yeah, yeah. And if you want to grow a mustache, you can. You can do that, and people can donate to you know watch your mustache grow. And it's just it's all in fun, but it goes to uh, a wonderful, wonderful uh, cause, and that's to Carousels, is that correct? Yeah, it's to
3: raise awareness for our Carousel Pediatric Hospice Program.
2: Excellent, excellent. And so I know that uh, Kansas City Hospice does a lot of fundraising throughout the year. This is one of the. This is a fundraiser, which is. Uh, which which it is fun, <laughs> but uh, you it's it's really really important because uh, Kent City Hospice is a nonprofit uh, provider, and you're able to raise like over a half a million dollars a year, um, and it, through all these different you know uh,
3: fundraising opportunities and and that tell tell us uh, what those funds are used for. Sure, you know one of the things that's really important as a nonprofit is we take care of people regardless of their ability. To pay And whatever their financial resources. So, for example, we provide uncompensated care of more than $400,000 a year. So our fundraisers help us offset those costs. Plus, you know, if we're our families um, are in need of a lot of basic things. And so when our team comes in and they realize that somebody doesn't have the appropriate, you know, amount of food and shelter and other sometimes utilities we go above and beyond to make sure that they're uh, well taken care of and they're comfortable at the end of life and you know i love some of
2: the stories that you've provided uh, in the past where you know someone uh, they had insurance but they weren't able to pay the copays which could be sizable over time you're you're able to say come in,
3: we'll take care of you. And that's that's what this money goes towards. Absolutely. It's very helpful to fill in the gaps and th- th- that's just a great example. Okay, David Wiley, President and CEO
2: of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. You can reach out to KC Hospice at 816-363-2600 or online at kchospice.org. And David, thank you so much for being in today. Uh, I really appreciate it. Keep up the great work and I'm looking forward to Mustache Month. Me too, Steve. Thanks so much. All right. We'll have more coming up next.
0: You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. Have a question? Visit SeniorCareLive.com. Stick around. We'll have more with Steve coming up next.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For podcasts of the program, go to SeniorCareLive.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're going to shift gears now and uh, move into the wonderful world of long-term care insurance. You know, I've I've mentioned long-term care insurance several times on the program, and I said, listen, I know my friend, he's an expert in this stuff. He's forgotten more than I know, and one of these days we're going to get him on the program. Well, today is that day, and Steve Johnson, welcome back to Senior Care Live. Good to be here. All right. So you are a long term care insurance expert. I, I refer all of my clients uh, to you or people who ask me about it. I said, call Steve. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you, if, if this information resonates with you and you're like, wait a minute, I, I also need to call Steve, here's the phone number. Write it down. It's 913 829 7555. That's 913 829 7555. You can also go online at stevejohnsonltc.com, stevejohnsonltc.com. Now, obviously, Steve's here in the Kansas City area, but we'll be letting you know, if you live outside of the area, we're going to, first of all, we're going to educate you here. So it's, it's important information for everyone. And then we're going to let you know how to locate uh, a long-term care insurance expert in your area. So with that, Steve, let's start off with the basics of long-term care insurance. What is it? Because I think it's a little misunderstood out there.
1: Yeah, so it's really help with your daily living activities. Um, it's not medical, doctor, hospital. That'll be your Medicare or your health insurance. But it's really those things that most of us are going to end up needing health with eventually. Uh, people think nursing home when they think this, but you know, frankly, these days most people get care at home first. Yeah, and it's help with all those things to function day to day.
2: All right. And so, so that's going to cover, uh, I, I mean, if you, if you are in a nursing home or long-term care community, it, it's going to help to pay for that. But what are some of the other services that it will pay for?
1: A lot of people don't know that uh, if you're in your home, uh, it will include light housekeeping. It'll include somebody to help run errands, pick up medications, take care of some things. Even, uh, like I said, light housekeeping to keep your living environment clean and tidy so that it's a place you want to be.
2: And so it'll pay for for home care services, essentially, Uh, and it'll also now pay for assisted living. I think a long time ago, you didn't have some of these options, but the newer plans, uh, they're they're very friendly as far as the options.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I just call them comprehensive, very common. Unfortunately, Medicaid, uh, Medicare won't cover assisted living, but long-term care insurance will.
2: Yeah, and uh, and that's uh, that's a that's a huge huge benefit. So uh, let's talk about some of the main elements in a long term care uh, insurance policy. There there are several key features in there. Let's go ahead and break those down and and talk about some recommendations or some kind of some ranges that you might recommend looking at.
1: Great. Yeah. So first thing is when you're looking at the nuts and bolts of long term care insurance, there's really four main things to focus on. First. Uh, your daily benefit or monthly benefit. We'll look at the cost of care in your part of the country, and then there are ways we can tailor that. And then the second thing is your total benefit um, you can, you may have heard your friends talk about getting a three-year or five-year plan, um, or we could look at the dollar amount. There are unlimited plans still on the market, Steve, believe really? it or not. I did not. Seriously, I, di- I didn't think they sold those anymore. They kind of went away, and then they kind of came back. Okay. So, there, there are still some options. So, that's the second thing is your total benefit. The third would be the inflation protection. That's the feature that will, and let's face it, the word inflation has been heard a lot in the last few years. Sure. It'll help your benefits grow to keep up with the cost of care. And then finally, uh, there's something called the elimination period, just a fancy term for a deductible.
2: Yeah. And, and that, who, who made that up?
1: <laughs> I have no idea. All I can tell you if you want to impress your friends is they yeah. use the same terminology in disability insurance policies ah. as well. It has the same meaning yeah. and that is the, the the period of time you pay out of
2: pocket before the policy will kick in. 30, 60, 90 days are probably the most common ones that I've seen. Would you agree with that? I totally would agree. Yeah okay And then uh, as far I'll tell you what that inflation writer, I'm pretty hardcore about that when I think I don't think that's a you ought to look at. I think that's a you got to have it because I've seen, what happens if you don't have it? And here's a real quick story. Uh, I worked with a family, and they and she said, "You know, we need placement for my husband, and we have long term care insurance." And she was very excited about that because, I mean, it's a lifesaver. Well, I get there, and they didn't have the inflation rider. They've had it for about twenty years, and I had to deliver the bad news that their policy twenty years ago would have paid for his full full uh, the the full cost of care. And today, it paid for about half the cost of care. It did not keep up.
1: Yeah, and you know that's a good argument for working with a specialist. Uh, this you can um, you can probably drive down the street and find on a corner where there's an insurance agency, someone to sell this to you. But what you really want to look for is someone who specializes, so that you gave a great example, Steve. Uh, they don't miss that some of those critical features.
2: And so how much coverage or daily benefit would you recommend? I realize that's a loaded question. It is. Y- you may look at <laughs> wanting it to pay for the whole cost or maybe part of the cost and you self-fund part of the cost. So but yeah. what, what would you recommend yeah, that's, generally?
1: Yeah, that's a that's an important so I'll have a conversation with clients and many of my partners do the same thing and we'll have that conversation about their cash flow, their social security, their retirement, and then we can tailor that benefit to allow it so that the insurance, along with any income they have, pay the bills. Typically, most people want to keep that nest egg in place, not start draining the principal. And so that'll, that'll vary, but we'll have that conversation and find the right uh, daily benefit. And what it does at the end of the day is it
2: protects your asset base.
1: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, they want that peace of mind of knowing that their nest egg is in place, And especially if they have a spouse there, um, you know, what's common is the spouse that needs care can end up draining most all the life savings and leave their at-home spouse in a bind. And so we don't want that to happen. And so we'll tailor the plan to prevent that.
2: Okay. And then as far as the the, the length of coverage, I see a lot of three-year policies, five-year policies. Recently, I've run into several lifetime benefit, and I'm, I'm like, ooh, don't change that right. <laughs> ever, uh, <laughs> because that thing is worth its weight in platinum at this point, you know. That's right. Uh, but um, so is the average length of stay at assisted living still around two and a half years? Is that yeah, about right? Um,
1: you know, that is true. If you're looking at all the stats, it's right around Three years. Okay. Um, if a person lives at least a year in care, their average stay is closer to five years.
2: Okay, all right, and I know, um, I know there are a lot of studies out there. I saw that one of them, and I kind of like fifty-nine percent of assisted living uh, residents would need to graduate to long-term care, where their stay at length of stay is about the same. So that's what we're getting at, approximate like five to six year benefit. Does that sound about right? It does. Okay, and so, uh, but it really needs to be tailored to everyone, uh, regardless of, of the of what the averages are. You your situation may call for something different.
1: That's true. And let me let me add this real quick, Steve. The biggest yeah. so my biggest challenge is really the person's health. Um, this is not like walking in the store and walking down the aisle and deciding what to put in your cart. A good long term care specialist will ask a lot of health questions, and what they're trying to do is figure out what's available, and so. Um, we've got to go in first of all, knowing the healthier you are, uh, the more options we'll have, and so that's why I hope people call me before they start having some serious health issues, and then hopefully they're calling me in their you know their early fifties. Uh, or, or early sixties, but but your health is the is the key thing to getting long term care insurance.
2: And this isn't like some like you said; it's not a guaranteed issue. You have to qual. I always like to say it is: you have to qualify with your good health. Now, do you have to have perfect health, or can you have a few? Maybe minor situations that and still qualify. I mean, what, how does that look? Yeah, most everybody is, you know, got something. So, um, yeah, yeah, there's no, I don't think
1: I've got any clients with perfect health, but, um, and then every once in a while somebody's surprised that they're even insurable. So, uh, really, all I can say is, you know, don't, if you're thinking about this, make that call, uh, see what's available, uh, and have, make sure that agent is really asking the health questions. That's because anybody can quote this insurance, Steve but you don't want to get a quote without the person really having done their homework.
2: That's right, so if you're diabetic, for example, are you insurable or does it depend? It depends, Uh, I have
1: a lot of clients that are diabetic, and it'll just really depend on on uh, some several factors and we'll we'll work work with folks and do our best to find the best fit.
2: Sure, and I remember you've mentioned before that a lot of people thought, "Well, I have too many strikes against me on my health record, but you were able to shop around and look at all of these different companies and come up with some great options for them." They were shocked.
1: Yeah, that that's a really good point. And since we spoke last, really there's been another um I'll call it a category, called short-term care. It functions just like long-term care. It's a bit more friendly regarding the health questions, and I have been do, able to ensure people that sh- were sure they could never get it. And we did find something that really helped them. So, yeah, I wouldn't uh, write yourself off. Let Talk to me or, or a local uh,
2: specialist and just find out. And... Uh, how many, how, do you still sell a lot of the, the lifetime benefit? Because I'm, again, I'm, I'm kind of caught off guard that they're even available.
1: Yeah, so. not a lot, but uh, occasionally it's a good fit. Um, for example, I might have a client whose mom or dad has got Alzheimer's or they've been in care for 10 years. Very common that they want to see a lifetime
2: Excellent, excellent. All right, we're going to have more with Steve coming up next. But first, the Senior Care Live question of the week. The average age of a long-term care insurance buyer is age 60. Is that statement true or
0: false? What do you think? You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. To contact Steve or a guest on his show, visit SeniorCareLive.com. We'll have more coming up.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. Have a question? Visit SeniorCareLive.com. All right, we have a bonus Senior Care Live question of the week for you here. So here it is. The average age of a long-term care insurance buyer is age 60. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is... False. The answer is
1: false. And Steve, why is that answer false? Well, the number is right between 50 and 51 years old. That is the average age of a long-term care insurance buyer.
2: And I know Dave Ramsey kind of says 60, but uh, it's it's between 50 and 51. I usually say the sweet spot's 55 plus or minus five. But the biggest, I think the biggest takeaway here is you have to qualify with your reasonably good health. And every year that goes by, the chances of you coming up with something that may disqualify you from buying a long-term care insurance policy, uh, that increases. So I, I like that 50, what did you say, 06 uh, it's actually technically 50.6. P- 0.6. Okay. All right. So, what's that? About uh, a little, little over 50 and a half. There, there you go. So, yep. uh, blow the candles out. And about six months later, go buy your long term care insurance policy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You'll be right in there. Okay. And then uh, I've tried to. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. This is, is kind of a big one. Uh, I've tried to explain this, and I don't know if I'm doing a very good job, Steve. I'm hoping you can help me. Um, and so, I'm throwing the hot potato to you. Uh, what is a state partnership plan? Because I think this is a Huge deal. I think it's a huge opportunity, and I don't think anyone knows what the heck that is. A little bit of background, Steve.
1: Uh, Back in 2005, there was a Federal uh, Deficit Reduction Act. That's what brought up the topic. And what the states were trying to accomplish is some way to encourage people to buy these policies. But one of the biggest objections uh, some people had was, wow, I've got to spend a lot of money and get a really big policy to guarantee that I'm going to be protected. And the states basically developed this program and said, no, no, no. Um, You don't need to buy a huge expensive plan. Buy something that meets a very basic requirement that the partnership has. And if you'll do that, and if you happen to use up all the benefits, we will change the Medicaid spend down rules and protect assets. So you get dollar for dollar asset protection. Simple way to say it is, Steve, if you got $150,000 protection in a long term care policy and you used it all up and you still needed more care, the state would normally require you to spend down to almost nothing. They say, no, no, no. If you get down to 150000 in my example, you keep that, and then you get state assistance.
2: Okay, so <laughs> let me give you another example. So your long-term care insurance policy pays $150,000 of your care. You still are in long-term care, or let's right. say long-term care, and you need to qualify for Medicaid. In the state of Kansas, then, your liquid assets would have to be spent down to $2,000, you're just about dead broke, and then you then you qualify for Medicaid, and Medicaid would pay for it. If you've invested money in a long-term care insurance policy that paid out $150,000, then you spend down your assets to $150,000, not $2,000. So you're left with, with, with the amount of money that this policy paid out, not a measly $2,000. That's exactly right. And one thing I'll add, Steve, is the policy has to be
1: uh, certified as a partnership policy. And that's another reason to work with a specialist. Doesn't cost any extra, just simply needs to meet some real basic requirements. So just want to make sure you work with a specialist so they can say, yep, yeah, this is a partnership qualified policy. You don't pay any extra for it and then you'll get the benefit you just described.
2: Okay. And are most do, do most companies offer partnership policies or or, or is it just a, a select companies? How does, What do you think yeah, about that? I
1: would say uh, the 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 quality of the core companies that are really committed to this industry they all have a partnership policy though they're not hard to find just make sure your your agent knows how to set it up to meet the requirements
2: and if someone has a policy right now they're not sure they need i would recommend circling back with their agent say hey do i have a partnership policy and if not let's look into getting making some changes and doing something about that great advice so okay and then steve what would you say to the person who may be thinking Well, Steve, why would I want to pay for a long term care insurance policy if there's a chance that I may never use it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's not an unreasonable objection. The risk is so high, though. And, you know, there's this thing called peace of mind. I don't know if you've ever awakened at two in the morning and wondered, did I? Did I
2: lock the back door?
1: Yeah, I've done that before, actually. And, and how well did you sleep, Steve, <laughs> Not, until you went down to check the back door? Then
2: I was mad because I'm like, gosh, darn it. So I, <laughs> then I got to get up and go, and and then and then you don't go back to sleep. <laughs> so take,
1: take that example and stretch it out over the rest of your you know 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, and you're waking up every day, so to speak, asking, did I lock the back door on long-term care? I, you'll never know if you're going to need it until... The day of your funeral, but I can promise you the rest of your life, your friends, your neighbors, you're going to hear stories of your brother, your that need care, and it's just a peace of mind issue that um, whether you use it or not, it's a it's a great use of insurance dollars because of how devastating it can be to your retirement.
2: Uh, no doubt about it. And and this is this is my response: is look, you know, I pay how much every month for my. Uh, for my homeowner's insurance. I pay how much every month for my auto insurance? And guess what? I hope I never use it. <laughs> I mean, I but I also know if something happens... I will be made whole, and that's why I pay for that, and I do have peace of mind over that. So so for someone who has some concerns about that, I understand that we now have some hybrid policies that I think could help someone, uh, uh, I, I think, be more comfortable in investing in a long-term care policy.
1: Good, yeah. And in a nutshell, a hybrid, uh, that's terminology I like. You can find it called uh, asset-based or linked benefit. There's a lot of terms bundled, out there. Bundled,
2: bundled, yeah, yeah, all that. The,
1: what you're basically getting is a combo, a life and a long-term care in one package, the appeal that it has is if you never need care, it does pay a death benefit. So you could think of it this way. I put X amount of dollars in there. That X is either going to pay for my care or when I uh, leave this world, it's going to go on to my beneficiaries. And so that's the appeal. And that's why a lot of people are getting hybrids.
2: And about 70% of us will need and require and pay for long-term care. But if you're part of the 30 and you've invested this money, then upon your death, your, uh, your estate, your beneficiary will get a life insurance amount. And though you haven't, so at that point you haven't Wasted any money so, exactly? Okay, and then Steve, I understand that you have had an opportunity to use uh, long-term care insurance in your family.
1: Yeah, thanks, Steve, for bringing that up. So, and you—you you helped me also. Uh, my parents uh, live down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We last summer, my mother broke a hip. And in a nutshell, she had complications, a series of surgeries. We thought we were going to lose her pretty early on. And then as things unfolded, um, she went through rehab and then nursing home. And my dad was asking, gosh, how am I going to pay for this? And I, all I could say to dad was, look, you've got a good long-term care policy on yourself and on mom. We don't know how long her care will last, but we do know money won't be an issue. In the end, Steve, she ended up um, actually using our policy for a little over a month But I can say this, in the middle of that crisis, we knew money wasn't going to be an issue. So the peace of mind that came from that policy was invaluable. And I'm so grateful uh, for what happened uh, as far as um, just being prepared.
2: Yeah, it, it, it is invaluable. And, and your dad's peace of mind, he could then not stress out about the money. He could be her husband and support her.
1: And as a result, my dad, I saw sides of my dad. I never thought I'd see. He spent almost every single day as through her rehab with her. So I'm at her side. And
2: he didn't spend any time worrying about money. Yep. See, that's fantastic. If this is resonating with you, reach out to my friend, Steve Johnson. He is a long-term care insurance expert at 913-829-7555 or online at stevejohnsonltc.com. And if Steve can't help you, he's connected with a network of other quality long-term care insurance providers all around the country, and he can help you. So, Steve, thanks for being here today. Fantastic information. Great to be back. All right, I'm Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. Join me next week right here on Senior Care Live.
3: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social
0: media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.